If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 2. We'll read down through verse 6. Then we're going to jump to 16 and 18. And there's a lot here uh, in this, in Matthew 2. There's just so much here, and there's no way, uh, I assure you, you would not want me to preach all of this in one message because there's just so much here. So we're going to preach a little bit about it today. And then uh, the next couple weeks, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go a little farther and a little bit deeper into it. But before I read it, let me just give you the basis of, of what Jesus is telling us here. And, it, and he says, when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. And I am sure that those are all three of your favorite topics. So when we give, I mean, I know you love to give, right? You love to pray, right? How many of you love to fast? You know, most of the time, whenever somebody says they love to fast, one thing I usually know that they have never fasted. <laughs> Not really. Uh, let's see. We haven't, we haven't talked about as a group as far as the uh, Orchardville staff goes. We haven't really talked about it as a group. But uh, I asked, uh, I don't know, I guess it was last Monday or Tuesday, uh, I was looking for some ibuprofen. And somebody says, does everybody in this church have headaches today or what? <laughs> and I think the reason was, well, you just might know. All right. Now, here's, here's the point. I want to lay this out there so you know where I'm going with this. Jesus, and we're going to read it here in just a minute. But Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So we know those are three areas that... Jesus tells us directly from his own mouth, he tells us directly that those are three areas that we should be involved in. And the reason I know, you know, uh, these will probably, you probably will not be hooping and shouting over these, over these sermons, okay? You know, especially when we get to fasting where you got to cut the flesh off and, and all that stuff. But, but here's the thing I think that we really have to watch in the church today, not just this church, but across the country, is you can almost find a church that will preach as much or as little of the Bible as you desire. I mean, if you just want, you know, if you want to uh, go to church and still drink, why, you can find a church that will allow that. If you want to, and, and there's, uh, there's other things that you can find, you can look around and you can find a church that fits your ideology and fits your lifestyle and you can probably get by and not change a whole lot of things in your life. But you know, I really don't think, biblically speaking, looking at the Word of God, I really don't think the blessings of God and the Word of God, I really don't think it works that way. You know, I think that many of us, we have, we have uh, situations in our life and, and we separate things. You know, whether it is, uh, okay, I'm, I serve the Lord with all my heart except that one person. I am not going to forgive them. Well, see, that, that, that's not scriptural at, at all. You know, and I'm not saying that, that that person, I'm not saying that they don't deserve you being mad at them, I mean, they don't, you know, they might not deserve your forgiveness, but let me tell you, that has really nothing to do with it. 
uh, when we forgive someone, it's all about obeying the Scripture and obeying God. And getting that unforgiveness off of us because it will hinder the blessings of God in your life. The Scriptures tells us. It tells us before we pray, go and forgive those that we have something against. Husbands and wives, how you treat your spouse, and we'll get into this probably next week or the week after. Husband and wives, how we treat our spouses, that, that affects how God answers our prayers. It's true. Now, are we on the same page now? <laughs> so, so, it's really important. Uh, you know, do I want to preach on, you know, giving and prayer and fasting? No, it probably wouldn't be my number one topic, but I'll tell you what it will do. If you will uh, receive these spiritual truths that I give out over the next week, next few weeks, and you will digest them from week to week and activate those spiritual truths in your life, you will be at a different place next year. Amen. You will. Because here's the thing. We don't grow spiritually in leaps and bounds. It's those small, everyday decisions. You know, if the truth was known, I don't know, how many major, super important decisions do we have in a lifetime? What do you say? Three, four. I'm talking about life-changing decisions. Things that will completely mess you up or completely bless you or whatever. I mean, there's really not that many. Right? But you know what? We have a whole lot of little bitty decisions that really don't seem that important. But you know what? If we do right, and this is Scripture also, uh, if, we do, if we make biblical decisions with the small stuff, when that big decision comes, we have a lot better chance we'll make a biblical decision concerning that big decision. It's true. Amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 6, verse 2. I'm just going to read all this. What we're going to do, we're going to read Matthew 6, 2 through 6, and then we're going to jump down to 16 and 18. I think we've got that scripture. Matthew 6, 2, here it is. So when you give to the poor, now notice this, on all, the, all three of these things, it don't say if, you're, if your pastor tells you to or if the Holy Ghost prompts you to. No, it says so when. When you do these three things. So, so this is the assumption that we are doing these things. We will do these things, okay? And also, I want to tell you also, we're talking about three different things. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And no less than six times does the Scripture talk about rewards, Okay, and you'll see this as we go through. And what Jesus is telling us throughout this, the, this scripture, he is telling us how to make sure that we receive God's reward when we do these things. Okay, because if there's anything that I know about God, God wants to reward us. I believe that's true. God wants all of his blessings as much as, as, much as we can handle. He wants to pour out his blessings upon his children. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So here we go. It says, so when you give to the poor, 
Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward in full. You see reward first time there. And he's telling us how, how not to do it. Verse 3, it says, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, it says, So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He's telling us there how to receive rewards from the Heavenly Father. And it's really, and sometimes I've heard people get hung up on the secret part, and they don't want nobody to know anything about it and, and, and all that. But see, that's really not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the attitude of your heart. The attitude, are you giving that? Are you uh, giving that to bless the person? Are you giving it to bless the church, to bless the mission field, whatever the case may be? Or are you giving so that men will see you, and if you are, well, then you've just got everything you're going to give. But if we give with the right heart, if we give uh, uh, an offering, or if we give, it wouldn't be uh, an offering, if we would give an offering to someone that's in need or someone that the Holy Spirit unctions us to, to give something to, and if we do that with the right heart, God's going to reward us. Amen. It's true. All right, let's go on, let's go on down. There we go. And when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. Once again, you notice the word reward. Okay, go ahead. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Once again, see, well, there, he's talking about not praying out, not that there's anything wrong with praying in public. We do it all the time. But we don't do it to stand up and to be honored by men, saying, uh, we don't stand up here and pray so that the congregation say, ooh, did you hear that, how they, elegant they was? Or did you hear those powerful words? That, that, that's not the reason we pray. Are you with me? And it's the same way with our, you know, if the, uh, like when you pray over your food, let me tell you, here's a warning sign. If every time you go out in public and, and you go out and eat and you pray every time over your meal at a restaurant, but at home you never pray, that's a warning sign. Okay? You need to switch that. You need to change that. Because why? Why do you need to change that? It don't matter to me. I mean, it don't offend me if you pray in the restaurant. But it does to God because God wants to reward us. He wants to bless us. All right? Now, let's go down to 18. 16, there we go. And it says, whenever you fast. Don't you hate it when it says, whenever you fast? Wouldn't it say, wouldn't it be better if it said, like, if you feel like it? You know, or wouldn't it be good if it says, you know, like when you've gained about 10 pounds more than you want, then you can fast and seek me, but it don't say that. It says, when you fast. See, this is Jesus. This is the words from Jesus, and he's given it to us as an expected ritual, I guess. Maybe ritual might not be the right word that, I, that we should use. An expected act. 
You know, I don't know when uh, next couple of weeks we're gonna, I'm going to be telling you about all the different things, all the different reasons to fast. And I don't, a lot of you know that. A lot of you are fasting uh, even now, and I'm, I'm glad you are. But you'll see the importance of that as we go on uh, in the next couple of weeks. It says, so when you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. Go ahead. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but your father who sees in secret and your father who sees it is done in secret will reward you. So we can see there in all three of these instances, God wants to reward us. But he will only reward us when we do it out of honor and out of respect for him. You see, God's not worried about what other people think about you. You never realize that. You know, I've, I've seen and I've talked to people uh, over the years, and they, they are so worried and so concerned about what other people think about them. But you know what? We shouldn't even care what other people think about us outside of the Word of God, right? Outside of the Word of God. I mean, if, if, if we are doing what the Word of God tells us, we shouldn't be concerned with people that don't want to see that in our lives. I tell you, I really get, I get tired of trying to be so politically correct that you can't even hardly talk to somebody anymore. I mean, you know, what's, what's the word this week that we can't say? You know, what's it going to be next week? The truth is uh, the enemy is doing everything he can to tear down Christianity. You know why that is, don't you? Let me tell you why that is. It's because Christianity and the Word of God, it's the only truth that there is. It is. Truth. The enemy is against truth. So let me ask you. For this next 12 months, let me ask you this question. What if? You know where your life is right now. You know what you deal with. You know where your victories are. You know where your struggles are. You know where those things are. I don't have to tell you. You, uh, you know. You understand them. But what if you prayed for 10 minutes a day? What if? What if we gave according to God's word for the next 12 months? If, what if we just gave just according to God's word? When the, when the scriptures tells us to give and a tithe and when the Holy Spirit unctions us to give, whether it's a dollar or two dollars or five or ten, what if we fasted when the need arose? What if? Where would our lives, what would our lives look like? What would, what would those around us look like? What would our relationships be like? What would our marriages be like? What would our finances be like? What if we just simply obeyed God's word and followed him instead of our own desires? What if? Oh my goodness. What if we obeyed God like never before? What if we just done a, a mad scientist experiment? What if we did that? 
Man, I wish I'd had some screenshots of some mad scientists. But what would our lives look like? What would our relationships be like? What would our finances be like? What would our prayer life, what would our relationship with God be like if for the next 12 months we just obeyed God and followed Him? You know, in this world, it is so easy to stay on, it's so hard to stay on track. So here's the thing. Here's what I struggle with. Everybody struggles with this, I think. Okay, I make a good conscious decision. I am going to control what I eat or I'm going to control this, control that. And I'll do good for a week or two or maybe three or four weeks. And then after that, I get off. After that, I, I, I get off track again. Does anybody have that trouble besides me? You know, sometimes I wish it would be, it'd, it'd be great if our lives had a reset button. So we could push that reset or, or restart. You know, years ago, and I guess they even might, you, you rebooted your computer. Wouldn't it be lot great if our lives had a reset button? So we could all of a sudden, we get all scattered out, and our minds going a hundred different places, and we could push that reset button, and all of a sudden our mind would come back and focus back on God again. Wouldn't that be great? Or what about autofocus for our lives? Well, wouldn't that be great? Man, if we could just point our lives toward the Word of God and toward the cross, if we could just point our and push that button down part way and be on autofocus and there, we don't have to change it no more. I'm right there. I'm focused on the Lord. I'm going the direction I want to go. Wouldn't that be great? It's not like that. Life isn't like that. It's hard to stay on track in this fallen world. It's hard to stay focused on the things that God wants us to focus on when the whole world is going a different direction than what God wants us to go. You know, it's kind of like, is the Withrows here this morning? Hey, they are. Clinton and Tina, they're up there. How far is it to camp? 45 minutes. Has anybody ever went horseback riding with the Withrows? Clinton and Tina? A lot of them have. So if you have... It's always 45 minutes from camp. I mean, always. (laughs) Even if you're three hours from camp, or if you're four hours from camp, if you ask how far are you from camp, it's 45 minutes. And you know, and after a time or two, I didn't think much about it. And then I got to thinking, you know, I don't know how many times Clinton has got me lost. (laughs) But you know, here's the thing. I bet the Withrows have got more people lost than anybody in Wayne County. But here's the thing. He'll get you lost, but you'll never know it. You'll never know it. Because sooner or later, you end up back in camp. Well, see, that's so much the way life is. See, if we're not careful, we will get out of focus. Our computers will lock up. Our minds will lock up. And we will get lost and we'll get on a trail that we don't know where it leads. And that's why we have to follow the words of Jesus to get back on focus. You know why? That's why the scriptures tells us when we give. You know, when you get right down to it, does anybody want to give? If it wasn't for the biblical truths, would anybody want to give? No. If it wasn't for the biblical truths... 
Why would you want to give if it wasn't for the biblical truths and the blessings that God says comes from that? You know, before I got saved, I used to make fun of my in-laws. How silly was they giving 10% for the church? (laughs) Them idiots. (laughs) I guess I'm an idiot now, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, was that my wife? I know who it was. Is that tall, ugly one over there? <laughs> so here I truly, so this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. He's saying, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. What he's trying to do is, he's trying to keep us on track. He's trying to keep us out of the world ideas and out of the world's standards and out of the world's confusion and out of the world's debt and out of the world's strife and out of the world's lust. And he's trying to keep us focused and going in the direction that God wants to take us and that we want to go anyway. Amen. You know, our lives is kind of like walking through the woods. You know, you start off walking through the woods And, uh, you know, you think you're going a certain direction and, you know, you make a few turns and a few turns and if you don't have a compass or something, the next thing you know, you don't know which direction you're going. See, that's where our lives is. And that's why we have the word of God. That's why Jesus tells us when we give, when we pray and when we fast so that we can continue to go in a straight line toward him and not get lost and not get away from where we want to go. The Word tells us that when we get off track, when we get out of focus, or even when we get lost, or even when we are lost, the Word of God tells us how to get back on track, right? When you was lost and you was a sinner and you was bound for hell, the Word of God told you how to get saved, did it not? Amen. Amen. You know, two weeks ago, we, we had communion. And in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, Jesus tells us. He tells us, he says, when you do this, he says, remember me. You know what he's telling us? When, you know, stay focused. He's saying, refocus. Bring your life back in. Bring it back in. You know what I think in God and his infinite wisdom? I think that's why we have the end of day, end of week, end of month, end of year. So we can take those times and just pause just for a moment and reflect just for a moment on where our lives are going. You know, I'll tell you, one of the most, several years ago, one of the most dangerous things would have ever been for me and some of my friends to play golf in Alaska. That would have been the most dangerous thing because it don't get dark in Alaska. And we would have played golf 24 hours straight, I assure you. We played, I played uh, 63 holes in one day before. Can anybody beat that? 63, anybody? You sissies. <laughs> I was playing with Jim Huskraft. You know what he told me? He said, surely if a man can work for eight hours, he can surely play golf for eight hours. <laughs> and hey, it's hard to argue with that. But Jesus tells us himself, he's telling us to refocus. When he's talking about his body, when he's talking about his blood, he said, do this in remembrance of me. What's he saying? Remember me. 
Every time you do this, refocus. Remember who, who I am. Remember what I've done for you. Don't forget who set you free. Don't forget who loves you. Don't forget who brought you out. Amen. Amen. Don't forget who paid your way into heaven. Don't forget whose children you are. Amen. What if? What if we gave and what if we prayed and what if we fasted the way the scriptures tells us to in this next 12 months? What would happen? What would happen to us? What would happen to those around us, the, the lives around us? I'll tell you what, what about this? What would happen to the ones that we've been witnessing to? The ones that we've been inviting to church, the ones we've been telling about the love of God. What would happen to our witness if we got refocused on God and, and followed these commandments of Jesus? What would happen to their lives? You see, really what, what it amounts to you see, when we give, we're inviting God into the world of our finances. When we pray, we are inviting God to have an active part most of the time in our troubles. I'm going to say that again. You just didn't get that at all. When we pray, we are asking the God of the universe to come into our struggles and our troubles that we have in life and to help us. How many of you need help in life? Amen. Same way with fasting. When we fast, we are asking God to come into our lives and whatever situation we're fasting about, whether we're fasting to get closer to Him personally or whether we're fasting for health and health and wellness or if we're fasting over protection for our young ones, for our children, whatever it is, we are asking God to come in and be a part of our lives. Amen. What if we gave for the next 12 months, according to, God, to God's Word. In Matthew 6, we see the story of Jesus is in the countryside where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And Jesus is in the countryside, and there's 5,000 people there, and He's been teaching them and preaching to them uh, for hours and hours. The day grows long, the people are hungry. And Jesus tells his disciples to give them something to eat. And, of course, they don't have anything. And Jesus makes this remarkable statement. The disciples said all, we, all they have is five loaves and two fish. And, and th this, is a, this is amazing. I hope you, hope you get this. And Jesus said, give it to me. And I'll tell you what, that spoke to me so long ago and it means so much. And this is why. Jesus don't want any more than what you've already got. You don't have to work up and try to find something extraordinary or extra special to give to him. He just wants what you've got. Now, why does he want it? That's the next question. Why do we give? So here you have, so here you have 
5,000 people, you've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And you pretty much know what happened. Jesus takes it, they bless it, they pray over it, they bless it, and they feed to 5,000. But you know, there's a part of the story that you never hear about. And that's the little boy that had the five loaves and the two fish. And he come out pretty good too. He started out with five loaves and two fish. Now, now this is what God will do for, for all of us. God is no respecter of persons. So he took the five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 people, and gave it back and gave him back 12 baskets full. See, that's what God wants to do for us. And we're afraid to give him that nickel that we've got. Ooh, I want to hold on to that nickel, Lord. I'm going to buy me a stick of gum when I get to town. So here, see, this is really what God wants to do in, in every situation of our lives. He wants to take what we have. And he wants to use it to bless other people. He wants to multiply it and then give it back to us. What if, according to God's word, we gave and we prayed and we fasted? What if we would do that? There's no, one more thing I want to mention to you about that scripture we just looked at, or we didn't look at, we talked about. There's two things there. God wants to get us to give him what we have so that he can use it and be a blessing to others, so he can multiply it and give it back to us. And what else? And, there, and there's one more. Jesus never wants you to leave his presence hungry. When you've been in the presence of the Lord, he wants to make sure you've been fed. Amen. Amen. And if you'll have that attitude when you come to church, when you go to Wednesday night, when you open your Bible, if you'll have that attitude in your mind, well, the Lord wants me to have something. The Lord wants to feed me. I don't understand it all. I don't know what I'm going to read today, but the Lord wants to feed me something. If you'll have that attitude, he will honor that, and he'll bless you for that. One more, one more. I'm almost done. Stay with me just for a minute. We see this same principle about giving and loaning to the Lord. And what if, what if we would do that over these next 12 months? But we see it in Luke 5. We see the principle of giving and God using and then turning around and, and blessing. And uh, basically here, Jesus is along the Sea of Galilee and he's preaching and there are just people everywhere and they're pushed in around him. And he's wanting to feed them. He's wanting to speak to them. And he wants to make sure everybody gets fed. He's wanting to make sure every, everybody hears him. So he asked Simon Peter, a fisherman, he says, uh, can I borrow your boat? Simon Peter says, sure. So he put him in the boat and they pushed him out in the Sea of Galilee just a little ways where everybody could see him and where he, they could hear him better. And as Jesus talked to them and, and ministered to them, when it was all over, Jesus, so here's what happened. Jesus borrowed Simon Peter's boat. They put it out on the water. And then when Jesus was done, he says, hey, Peter, if you will take your boat right out there and throw out on that side of the boat, you'll catch some fish. And you just know what Peter said. Have you guys ever tried to argue with a fisherman? Oh, my goodness, you cannot argue with a fisherman. 
You know, if, if, if they've got a lure and you know it's not any good and you say, that lure's not, oh, I've caught a lot of fish with that one. That's a good lure right there. You cannot argue with a fisherman. So anyway, so here, that's what Jesus is doing. He, Jesus says, Peter, if you'll take your boat out there and throw your net over there, you'll catch some fish. And Peter said, no, 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 I've, I've, we've fished all night long. We haven't caught nothing. But then he says, but if you tell me to do it, if you tell me, Peter says, been out there all night long. I've been there, done that, I've tried that, and if, and if you've tried things in your life and it didn't work out, and you've been there and done that, well, let me tell you, if you'll, if you'll do what Jesus says to do, he will turn that around. So here it is. Peter says, no, we've been out there all night long fishing. We don't have nothing to show for it. But if you say so, I'm going to trust you. If you'll say so, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I, I, don't, I don't fully understand it. I've been there fishing all night long, and nothing has changed. But just because you say so, I'm going to go out and do it. And you just know what happened after that. Peter took the boats out. He started catching fish more than he can handle. He had to holler for another boat to come and help him, and they had to end up with two boats full. Wow. What if we would give according to God's word for the next 12 months? Man, what if? Here's what, here's what, here's what God wants to do. He wants to take what you have, and he wants to use it and bless the people like, like Jesus did with the boat. They pulled the boat up there. Jesus preached out of it so more people could hear, more people could see. So Jesus used the boat, and then he gave it back to Peter, and then he blessed him for allowing him to use it. Man, what if? Now, I hope you don't think... You know, I, I'm, I hope you don't think that if you don't give, we might not be able to have the lights on next week. I don't know. We're about, we're about to go under. If you don't give today, we're going under. That's not it at all. This is about inviting God to have a part in our lives, in our finances. That's what, that's what it's about. You know, I've said before that money is important in this life. And I've kind of decided that it's kind of like preaching on healing. Because some people don't believe in healing, but I really believe that the only reason you don't believe in healing is because you haven't been sick enough yet. Okay? And if you don't think money is important, the only reason you don't think that is because you haven't been without any yet. <laughs> because if you come around to the end of the month and those bills come in and you don't have no money, all of a sudden, it's very important. Is it the most important thing? <laughs> Absolutely not. But it's still important. Amen. Stand with me, please. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. 
You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.